O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Britannia S. Parwa Insula. This is the sum of my knowledge of the Latin language. It means Britain is a small island. I was taught Latin for one year in high school by a grouchy, deeply sarcastic Yankee from Boston whom we called Coach Hogan. He coached the golf team and the eighth grade football team. Now, if you're not from Boston or Massachusetts, Ben Menard, is he out there? Uh, This is not intended to offend him, I promise. And I'm not assuming that if you're from those places that you're anything like Coach Hogan. Coach Hogan was a piece of work. He was um, a brilliant man. He um, was, the, the rumor around the high school was that Coach Hogan scored a perfect score on the SAT. And when we confronted him about it, he denied it. And I promise you, these were the words that he said. He wasn't joking. He said, if I did score a perfect score on the SAT, do you think that I would be stuck here teaching you morons? (laughs) Once, when only a small handful of students in the Latin class did their homework from the previous night, um, and I was not among that handful, by the way, he had the good students move their desks out into the hallway, leaving the rest of us in the classroom wondering what the heck was going on. Because as Coach Hogan explained, since we had proven that we were not interested in learning, he was not going to teach us that day. Coach Hogan was the scourge of lazy students like me. And I was lazy at that time. I got better later on, but I was a lazy student through most of high school. I feel confident I would love Coach Hogan today. In fact, a good friend of mine credits Coach Hogan with instilling discipline within him, ultimately enabling him to get into medical school and to become a doctor. But I didn't see it that way at the time. And as a result... As I say, the sum total of my Latin knowledge is Britannia est parwa insula. Britain is a small island. I don't even know if that's true. I mean, I don't think of Britain as even being a small island. But I guess the Romans used to say it was. I don't know. Anyway, one time, someone from the school system came and monitored him and his class. I guess they were doing an annual evaluation. And let me tell you, Coach Hogan was an entirely different teacher and human being because someone was watching him. He was polite, considerate, respectful, patient. And I'm like, who is this person and what did he do with Coach Hogan? He was so obviously pretending to be someone he wasn't for the sake of this person evaluating him. I wanted to say false advertising. (laughs) Well, there is a word 
that Jesus uses in tonight's gospel lesson that describes what Coach Hogan was doing when the evaluator was watching him. He was being a hypocrite. The Greek word literally refers to actors on stage wearing masks. It means pretending for the sake of others. The temptation to do so, Jesus warns, is especially strong when it comes to the activities Jesus describes in verse 1, practicing righteousness before others. He's not saying there's anything wrong with practicing righteousness before others. There's no way you can avoid it. That's perfectly fine. Some of us tomorrow morning will be loading cars full of food and other supplies for for people who come by the church. We're going to be seen by others while we do it. That's okay. But uh, the problem is our motivation for, for doing so. People will see us perform these good works. And if we know someone is watching us, or if we know that someone will find out about what we're doing and then praise us for it and think well of us or think better of us, look out. The potential for sin in that case is great, and Jesus knows it. By the way, I had a fierce lay leader in a church I served many years ago. Her name was Hetty. Do y'all know Hetty? (laughs) I'm going to talk about her, but I hope you don't interpret anything I say to be negative exactly. Um, How do I describe um, Hetty? Well, she was a little bit like my Latin teacher, Coach Hogan. She, She did not suffer fools gladly. And she had this way when she talked to me of sort of raising an eyebrow at something I said, and I thought I was lying. <laughs> like, no, I'm telling the truth. Uh, she, she made me nervous. Um, but she had high expectations, and she was not shy of letting me know when I had failed to live up to those expectations. God blessed me through Hetty's ministry at that church. But I've said this before in sermons, sometimes God's blessings hurt a little bit, <laughs> and that was the case. Um, but she was good for me. Sadly, she died suddenly and unexpectedly in January um, one year, the beginning of the new fiscal year. And gosh, later that year, our church was really hurting financially. I mean, our church was always hurting financially, but it was worse than ever. And finally, um, the finance chair in the church explained why that was the case. He told me just how much Hetty tithed to the church. And the amount of our budget shortfall that year was exactly equal to what Hetty would have given to the church had she survived. Um, Her daughter, I've told you before, I I make it a policy of, of mine. Some pastors disagree with this, but it's my philosophy not to know what any church member gives to our church. And um, so I didn't know until the finance chair told me just how much Hetty gave to the church. Later that year, by the way, her daughter called to make a, a sizable donation to our church in memory of her mother, her parents. 
And uh, I ask, would you mind if we applied a small portion of this donation to cover the amount of money that Hetty had pledged to give the church? We could use it. And of course, her daughter was very gracious. And so problem solved that year. But do you know what I thought the moment I found out what Hetty gave to our church, what she routinely gave as a tithe? I thought, if only I knew. Because if I knew, then I would have dot, dot, dot. I would have what? Been nicer to her? I would have treated her differently? I would have been more patient with her? I would have, I would have given her the benefit of the doubt more often? I would have deferred to her judgment more readily? I wouldn't have quite been so cranky when she made an appointment to come and talk to me. But don't you see the problem? If the thought, I wish I had been kinder to Hetty, crossed my mind when I found out how much she gave to the church, and it did cross my mind, then trust me, the solution to my kindness shortfall would not have been solved by knowing how much money Hetty gave to the church, even if it changed the way I treated her. Does that make sense? Because you see, I would have been play acting. I would have been a hypocrite, just like Coach Hogan was a hypocrite when the evaluator came to observe him that day. My point is, when I found out how much Hetty gave to the church, I should have instead fallen on my knees and thanked God that I didn't know because he spared me from yet another sin, the sin of hypocrisy, at least on that occasion. I'm certainly capable of being a hypocrite and I, there's plenty of other times when I am. I am a mess. And I suspect you are too, at least apart from God's grace. Apart from God's grace, we are all a mess. That's the problem. And that's what this season of Lent and Ash Wednesday is so good about showing us about exposing within us, about revealing to us the extent to which we are a mess. Especially, by the way, if you try to fast. I suspect not many of us fast. Um, and I'm not talking here merely about giving something up. I'm talking about the hard kind of fasting. I'm talking about skipping food, going without food. For instance, just try to skip lunch sometime during these next 40 days of Lent. Just a single meal. And I'm not talking about missing a meal because you're busy and you, don't, you forget about eating and you know, the time just gets away from you. That's, that's different. I'm talking about waking up in the morning and saying, today I'm going to skip lunch and devote that extra time to prayer and Bible reading. Just try it and see how kind you are to others around lunchtime. See how patient you are with others that afternoon. See how joyful you feel. 
I'm telling you, you're going to be mad at Jesus before your fast is up. You're going to be like, why are you doing this to me, Lord? You will probably also feel like a complete failure as a Christian that particular day. And when you feel like a failure, don't blame it on the fact that you skipped a meal. Instead, tell yourself something like this. The fact that I skipped this meal today did not cause me to act unkind or impatient or less than joyful. I wish it did. No, instead, my fasting brought to light the sin and the ugliness and the lack of faith that was already living within my heart. And therein lies the problem. It's what's in our hearts. We have a dangerous heart condition. In fact, I want to show you one passage of scripture in the Gospels, a parable that illustrates this problem, that shows us that Jesus also understands um, that we have this heart condition. And I'm talking about Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. You know the story. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. You have an injured victim on the side of the road. He's been beaten and robbed and left for dead. Um, Two deeply religious people pass him by without offering to help him in any way. Finally, a Samaritan, an enemy of God's people, Israel, sees him on the side of the road. This man stops to help him. At, at great risk to his personal safety, not to mention personal expense. I mean, it was very expensive and very costly for the Samaritan to help this man. Okay, so what's the difference between these two very religious people who ignored the injured victim and this Samaritan who stopped to help? And I think the Sunday school answer that we, we, any one of us would be prepared to offer is the difference is these two very religious people didn't do anything for this man. And the Samaritan stopped and he did all of these good things for this injured man. Well, that can't be the difference because you can look at verse 33. There's, there's an important word, and I think I've read that this word actually is at the very center of the parable, um, and that word is compassion. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where the injured man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So the compassion came before the Samaritan did anything. The main difference isn't that the, what the Samaritan did. The main difference is something the Samaritan possessed in his heart. You can do all the good works you want, but you, you can't change what's in your heart. Not really, not apart from God's grace. And the heart of the parable of the good Samaritan is the heart. It's not always very difficult to do even hard things if your doing is motivated by good stuff in your heart. If only we could fix what's in here. 
then all the actions, all the good works, all the practicing of righteousness would take care of itself. And that's what I want for all of us during this season of Lent. Not that we would do difficult things that we don't want to do, but are supposed to be good for us. No, that's not what Lent is about. Lent is about turning to Jesus and finding healing for this dangerous heart condition that you and I have. And how does this healing start? It starts with the meaning behind this symbol that will soon be imposed on our foreheads. By the way, Coach Hogan pronounced that forehead, forehead. And he said we needed to say forehead, not forehead. But anyway, I say forehead. Sorry, Coach, if you're watching. Um, When you leave this place with the sign of the cross on your forehead, the last thing that anyone should be thinking is, look how righteous I am. Somebody praise me and tell me how wonderful I am. I mean, I had to sit through a boring sermon on a Wednesday night, of all things. Give me credit. No. The cross on our foreheads should instead remind each one of us, look how hopelessly messed up I am, how utterly unable I am to fix myself, how completely powerless I am to solve this problem in my heart, this problem with sin. This cross means that I need Jesus to solve it for me. This cross means that Jesus took all of my sins upon himself and suffered the penalty for them, including hell itself, to save me from hell. And the cross means that I'm part of God's family forever now. It means that all my sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven now. It means that God now loves me exactly as much as he loves his only begotten son, Jesus, and he proved this love for me by dying on the cross. It means that the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ, now lives within me. And if the Holy Spirit is living within us, and I said last Sunday that if you are a Christian, guess what? The Holy Spirit is living within you. If the Holy Spirit lives within us, that means that God intends to keep on healing us until we are made completely perfect. Now, maybe that won't happen until the moment we reach heaven, but we can be sure it will happen We can be sure in the meantime that God is in the process of healing us right now as we continue to repent of our sins and trust in Christ. God is not finished with us. We read from Joel chapter 2 earlier. The people of Israel are facing a life or death crisis, a threat from a natural disaster a literal swarm of locusts in this case, who are bringing in their wake drought, destruction, potential starvation. Israel perceives correctly that God is using these locusts to judge them for their sins. But the prophet Joel also knows something about God's character. 
He is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving, forgiving transgression and iniquity and sin. This is the kind of God he is. And because this is the kind of God he is, Joel tells the people, who knows? Perhaps God will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. And God does relent from punishing the people. The people repent and the crisis is averted. But I like, I like that word that Joel uses, perhaps. Perhaps God will give you a reprieve. Perhaps God will save you. Perhaps God will fix your problems. Perhaps God will forgive your sins. Perhaps God will give you mercy. Perhaps God will give you a blessing. Perhaps God will show you his favor. But listen, we're not exactly like Joel. Joel wrote these words before the cross. We read them in hindsight with the cross in the rearview mirror. You see, because of the cross, there no longer is a perhaps. The, the perhaps has been taken away. It's been removed, wiped out, obliterated. There's no doubt about it. If you're a child of God through faith in his son, God not only has the power to heal you, he wants to heal you and he will heal you as you continue to trust in him. Let's enter this 40-day season believing and praying and expecting that God will heal us. I'll close with this, I promise. In Luke chapter 10, we read another familiar story, this time the one of Mary and her sister Martha, the two sisters who invite Jesus and some of his disciples to have dinner in their home. Martha is very busy preparing a meal, showing hospitality to these men, and she's stressed out as any of us can be when we're entertaining company in our homes. And um, well, her sister Mary's not helping at all, is she? Her sister Mary, instead of helping in the kitchen, instead of helping by setting the table, instead of cooking and cleaning, Mary has the nerve to sit at the feet of Jesus alongside all those male disciples and listen to Jesus teach. Listen to Jesus share God's word. Like, She's got nothing better to do right now than sit at Jesus' feet and be with him, spend time with him, listen to him, listen to God's word. Martha can't believe Jesus is letting Mary do that, and she's finally had enough. And she says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. She has no business doing what she's doing. And what does Jesus say? He says, no, I'm not going to tell her she can't sit here 
and listen to me and learn from me and be in my presence. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing, only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, we've all heard sermons probably about how you're either a Mary or you're a Martha. Both are good. Both are necessary. Lord knows churches need Marys and Marthas. But I'm sorry. That's not Jesus's message to Martha at all. He is lovingly and patiently and affectionately rebuking Martha. He isn't saying, Martha, Martha, what you're doing is just fine, but let let Mary do her thing. It's okay. No, he's saying, Martha, what Mary has chosen to do is better than anything you're doing. Be more like her. Spend more time listening to me so I can help you and heal you as well. So I can give you what you need for all these problems that you have. That's my invitation to you and to me during this season. Make more time to be with Jesus. You actually have no higher priority during these next 40 days than to be with Jesus. You have no higher priority any day of the year. But Lent is the time when we focus on spending time with Jesus. Like Martha, when you choose to spend time with Jesus, reading his word, meditating on his word, praying to him, listening for him to speak to you, it's going to seem like there's 500 other things that are more urgent, that are more important, that are more threatening, <laughs> and, 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 and maybe you're wasting time spending this, this time with the Lord. But no, you remind yourself of what Jesus says to Martha. Choose Jesus during Lent. Choose the good portion and let Jesus heal you. When you come in a few moments and have these ashes imposed on your forehead, let your prayer be something like this. Lord, I believe that you want to heal me. And I ask you right now, and I believe that you will heal me. Make it so. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in the Toccoa, Georgia area, I hope that you will come and worship with us at Toccoa First. We have live, in-person worship every week, and we also have online worship. Please see tacoafirstumc.org for more information.